0: Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess, and we're inviting you to a lady date, a place to connect, speak openly, and learn from each other's experiences. Today's episode is about balancing our work and personal lives and managing burnout.
1: Today we have a special guest with us, Kim Dickerson. But before we get to know her a little bit more, we're going to have our icebreaker. And so our icebreaker question for today is, what do you do to relax and blow off steam? Uh, Kim, would you like to go
2: first? Sure. So in going with the blow off steam theme, um, I recently purchased a facial steamer and it is, if you guys haven't seen one. It's a 20 minute steamer and you just sit in front of it and it seriously melts your stress away. I swear. I love the thing. (laughs) Um, I think it's in COVID times, a lot of people are taking to doing the at home facial type things and it was super affordable and I love that thing. And I usually try to do it once a week and just take 20 minutes to myself and open up my pores and do my whole facial routine and it's awesome. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs>
1: what? That's brilliant. I didn't know that. <laughs> I've seen those and I feel like yeah. I feel like I would just keep it at my desk and if I had a bad meeting I would just be like click, <laughs> stick it's my face great. in it.
2: <laughs> I highly recommend. Mm, okay, okay. Okay. Well
0: that was we had no idea that you were going to say that and the idea of it already being a pun with our icebreaker is just blowing up <laughs> the tone. Okay. Love chef's it. kiss. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Shoot. Okay. I don't know how to follow that up. I was like, Oh, we'll let Kim go first because you know, she's our guest, but <laughs> I don't feel like I have anywhere near as good
1: of an answer for that. Okay. Sarah, do you
0: have one? I need to think on this.
1: Mine's actually kind of related. So I, I, Whenever I get really stressed out or I need to blow off steam, like I need to get out of my head um, because I'm an overthinker. So I will either like go to like a sauna or a massage or a facial and like have some set activity that has like a time frame to it where I literally can't do anything else. And that helps me um, focus on just like the one thing that is happening in that moment I would love to say that working out helps get me out of my head and maybe it does a little bit, but it is not as good as just like having a like set self-care moment for a certain amount of time. So that really helps me too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think for me, I am one that tends to re- resort to going on walks. So all try and get, I'm still like a really avid fan of renting books from the library. And so um, now I just do audiobooks so that I can listen to them on my walks. Uh, And so I've been noticing, like, especially with the weather getting nicer, which surprise, surprise, that's just always going to, I think, elevate all of our moods uh, with the sunnier weather and warmer temperatures. But I have been able to go through two books in like the last month and a half, which is like the most books I've read and, or listened to in a long time, but it's really nice just like having a good audiobook or maybe a podcast. You never know uh, that you can listen to and just going for a walk and getting outside and moving my body in like a very low impact way, kind of observing what's going on around me and like everything's in bloom right now. So I think that's kind of my go-to method. It's, maybe not as enjoyable when it's raining in Portland, but it's still (laughs) nice to like get out and walk around, um, and just have obviously waffle with me as well. You know, it's fun to take her out and walk around, but that's kind of like my relaxation. And I try to make sure I'm doing that at least once a day where I like dedicate that walking time to also listening to something, um, listening to a book or listening to a podcast. And that's kind of just like an escape for your mind, which I think is really important.
1: Definitely. That reminds me, I read this in a book that there's this like grounding practice you can do where you literally go outside and take your shoes off and put your feet in like soil or grass. And it's supposed to like ground. It's like a practice of grounding yourself through using the ground, which is so funny. But that kind of reminds me of that. It's like a very intentional, like I'm going to go outside. I'm getting in touch with like my feet on the ground, maybe seeing some nature reminding myself of like my place in the the ecosystem. So
2: it's kind of cool. I, love that. I need a dog to force me to get outside and walk every day.
1: <laughs>
0: it's hard. I mean, I will say that this is something that I've recognized as being like such a good release in the last couple of years of having a dog. I I was not one that would just like get out and go for a random walk. I feel like Sarah, you're pretty good about that. Like you'll, you'll go out and just like go for a walk to get outside, but I, I mean, I guess I used to kind of say like, oh, it's a hike. Like I'm going hiking in order to get outside and walk around. But now I have a little puppy girl that I get to do it with. So it does make it a little bit more enjoyable. And cause you're like, oh, I have to, well, which is interesting because like, I have to do it to help her. Mm-hmm. And so it's like very focused on like helping something else, someone else, but like, that that wouldn't come as naturally to me if it were just for myself, like how that prioritization shifts a little bit because I'm prioritizing it because it's like, oh, I know she's dependent on it. When in the reality of it is like, I'm also very dependent. You're on benefiting. It. from yeah. it.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Something to think about. Take yourself on a walk. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a dog. <laughs> oh, man. This is these icebreakers always end up being... So enlightening. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I do want to try a steam facial.
2: You can borrow it anytime.
0: <laughs> I might have to take you up on that.
2: <laughs> Which I guess is a good
0: time to segue into saying, Kim, thanks for being here. For those of you who don't know, this is my sister, my oldest sister, Kim. Um, she is, you know, one of my role models slash pseudo mom slash Craft influencer slash handwriting expert that I have the handwriting I do because of modeling it after Kim. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. I didn't so- know that.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're on this particular episode specifically?
2: Sure, sure. Well, yes, it is true. I am Jesse's older sister, oldest sister, (laughs) and I am a mom of three. I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a recently turned four-year-old. I'm a full-time working mom, and um, I think Jess and Sarah asked me to be on this podcast because they know I am no stranger to burnout, (laughs) I think is all... Full time working moms can attest. Um, I work for an events agency. I've been working there for about six years now. I've been working in corporate events for gosh, the last almost I'm dating myself <laughs> twenty years. <laughs> but um, so a pretty high a high demand job. I think it's uh, an event planner is categorized as one of the top. least in the top 10, maybe top five most stressful jobs um, out there. There's been a studies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just because of the unknown factor, I think, for the most part. But that's um, kind of a little bit of background on me. I don't know. Anything else you want to know?
0: I mean, I think you nailed it. I I think that there's an element of like these high demand jobs, especially with event planning, like that doesn't mean you get to just do local events. Like you're doing events that require you to travel. So that's another additional strain on just like your own well being and also balancing that with um, having a family that's, you know, relying on you. And, you know, fortunately, I think, you know, from the outside looking in, you have a really good support system of like in your family, you have a partner who is able to stay home with the kids when, um, you have to be out of town. But then, you know, obviously we have like mom and dad, we have me sometimes, I will be honest, I'm probably the auntie (laughs) that's kind of just like, Hey, you guys want to play with a dog? Um, but you know, we also have our other sister and then we have your partners, your in-laws, um, that can make themselves available as well. But it's like just a testament to how much it takes a village,
2: I'm sure. Absolutely, it's true. It, it, it really does. And I always like to tell people, I don't think I've ever been on my own with all three kids for more than maybe a night or two, maybe if that, and I am done <laughs> at that <laughs> point. So the fact that I sometimes travel and for a week up to 10 days, I I honestly don't know how my husband does it sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm lucky um, that I do have him and the family support system that I do, um, which is part of the reason why we moved back to Oregon, <laughs> totally <laughs> to have that support system in place because I think that's absolutely imperative. You know, when you are a full time working mom and have kids that need things and a job that needs things, it's yeah, super it's important.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that like, you know, one of the reasons why we were talking about this idea in general, and that we wanted to talk to somebody who was a full time working individual as well as a parent, was because we had this conversation two episodes ago, where we were talking about this idea of being busy, and how We're constantly feeling like we're busy in all of these elements and aspects of our lives, and that that's really hard to balance. And, like, how do we show up for each other in a work setting to help others better manage their time? Not so much taking it on for them, but just like having these open conversations about hey, I, I know we have this project that we're working on. Here's like really clear deadlines. Let's talk about if this is realistic. Let's have these conversations. Let's bring it a lot more to the forefront. I think we're being more mindful of that given the last year that we've all had and, and trying to manage how much busyness we're feeling. And I think right up there too, is this conversation around burning out and being a full-time working parent that now is working from home full time. <laughs> like that's just a whole other element with kids not being in school and having to learn remotely themselves and how that impact has been on the workforce in general, especially women. There's a lot there. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of obstacles that are being presented that were, were kind of witnessing firsthand with individuals.
2: Yeah, I think this past year, especially being as challenging as it has, has really brought to light the challenges that working mothers face. I think there's always been a stigma with moms that work that, you know, you have to put in the same amount of effort into your job and you can't, you know, be out of pocket for appointments or if your child's sick or something like that, you have to kind of balance that and make it, you know... Look like your job is still your number one priority. And I think it's an unfair expectation of working moms. And I think this past year, especially has sort of, you know, really brought that to the forefront that, you know there are women out there that are losing their jobs because they've had to care for their children who have been out of school or who have been sick with covid or or things like that. And it's I think it's, you know, it's important to talk about it. And I think one of the things that really changed for me once I became, A mom, is that my priorities really shifted. I was used to, and not that, don't get me wrong, not that I don't care about my job and the work that I do, because obviously that's going to be, you know, that's always been a priority for me. I always feel like I've been a hard worker and I am very proud of the work that I do. And, but you know, once you have kids, your thinking shifts, you you can't be a hundred percent committed to a job. You have to find that balance. And you know, one of the things that, um, especially after I had my third son, I told my company, I said, Hey, listen, my job was probably in the 35 to 40% travel range. Wow. And I told them for the first year, I'm not going to travel. And they worked with me on that. And they put me on programs where I wouldn't have to travel or they found someone else to go in my place. And and that was huge for me because that was something I didn't do with my my previous two children. But I think as you become more secure in your place in life that's those are the kind of things you have to ask for and advocate for and you know if you want a longer maternity leave you know work with your company and and ask for that those are things that i think a lot more companies are becoming aware of whether it's you know parental leave or you know for the men for the fathers too so i think that's just something that you have to kind of advocate for yourself for because it's important and you don't ever get the time back with your your young kids and so um it's it's great if you can have a company that understands your situation and i know a lot of people don't and that makes it difficult when they're having to to fight for spending time with their kids or being home with their kids if they need to be so
1: yeah i think that that is such a good lesson for everyone actually just hearing you say like you know work is no longer my top priority or the the shift came when i didn't make work my top priority. I'm I'm sitting here reflecting, I'm like, is work my top priority? Should it be? <laughs> like, should I have other things in my life that are a higher priority? I, I'm sure they do. I do. But that's such an interesting conscious shift of like, okay, what are the things that I that are most important to me? And how much of my effort and energy and stress is coming from work? So I think that's actually a really interesting lesson of, of advocating for yourself in general, um, even when you don't have kids, um, but especially when you do and you're building out that family. But I think that's such an interesting note. Um, you made me self-reflect already, Kim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, you're right, Sarah. I don't think it it only applies to when you have kids. I think it's, it's something that we all get trapped into, right, is just focusing so much on the work and, and doing a good job. And you can still Do that, But just consciously know that, you know, listen, I have to log off at five o'clock to, you know, get dinner and spend time with my family. And that's kind of the expectation I said, I have to log off, I can, you know, potentially get back on at eight o'clock, once the kids go to bed, if I need to finish some stuff up, but setting those expectations, I think is, is super important when you have a demanding job, or, you know, other demands in your life, obviously, is just sort of prioritizing the things that you need to.
0: Yeah. This has been a really big topic of conversation at my workplace recently. And I'm grateful for it because as an individual who doesn't have kids or isn't a caregiver at all, truly, like I don't have parents that I'm taking care of, or I don't have nephews and nieces that I need to shift my schedule to kind of like help out other family. Like there's so many different ways that you can be a caregiver for others that shifts that priority of like, work has to be on, you know, that list of priorities, but it's probably not the top because you're giving yourself to other individuals. And we've been talking about how we can advocate and the advice that individuals that have kids or are caregivers are now giving to those of us who might be thinking about having kids sometime soon or are joining the company, but have, you know, family plans and the works and things like that. And how that information sharing is just really beneficial and how it is conversa- a conversation that we want to have and should be having because we can learn a lot from each other and from the sidelines you see these working parents and you're just like wow how do they do it like how how can you balance that how can how can you figure it out you are seeing people log in after their kids go to bed and sending off emails at like 8 or 9 p.m. and granted that's sometimes just like what has to happen and it kind of goes back to supporting working asynchronously and, and recognizing that people might be able to get to something just like on a slightly different timeline, but they're still going to get it to it and to trust in that ability. But it is a conversation where we're seeing individuals having to truly advocate for themselves. I don't know if we always have a whole lot in place from an employer standpoint, that's existing as like a infrastructure to help support that it's coming from individuals having to advocate for themselves in order to get things in motion, mm-hmm. which is challenging. Cause I'm sure you have had to ask for a lot of things that now maybe when HR, or whoever it is interacts with somebody else that just had a kid, they're like, Oh, you know what? Kim had asked for this. Maybe we should make this as part of our policy. I'm wondering if like, that's Another element of like, if you're being a trailblazer in some senses for like your company, even to help them see that benefit of just having it already in place to support working parents or like working caregivers. I don't know. It was just like a very interesting tangent that my mind went on. And (laughs) I'm just thinking about like, how much of that burden in a sense is on you to have to like ask for and to create those boundaries. And like, what are ways that companies can help support. Without having to make you ask for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that actually ever happens or if it is just always on us,
2: maybe. Well, I think it's important for, I mean, if we're talking specifically about working parents, I think it's important for working moms to talk to each other. I mean, I know for my company specifically, they have a mother's room now because of me. Yeah. <laughs> because I pushed for it. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where you should be a support system for for other mothers, and there were some moms that had kids after me and asked for similar things about not traveling. And so, it's important to to support each other and help each other. And kind of, and if you need to set the tone for that, then then great. But I think I think it's it's something that a lot of, a, a lot of small companies, especially, are still working towards, and and you know, it's improving. But it's definitely something that I think the U.S. in general has a long ways to go on in terms of. Um Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a support system for working parents.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Kim, I have a question for you. When you sign off of work for the day, do you feel like you're still working when you have to do like all of the stuff with your family and like do all kids things? Like, do you feel like you're getting a break from work or do you feel like you're just like transitioning jobs? I don't know if that's a loaded question, but I'm
2: just curious. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sometimes it feels like just transitioning jobs. I think I was commenting recently that the weekends used to feel like, oh, it's the weekend; I can kind of do whatever I want and lounge around, and you know, go out to restaurants and have a drink and everything like that. And now it's, you know, it's it's shifted a little. I, of course, you know, I wouldn't trade it, but it, it definitely is um, kind of going from from one thing to the next. And I think it's become. Harder for me, previously not being working from home, it's hard to sometimes pull myself away from the computer and I have to consciously log off and, and go <laughs> leave the computer just because I'm not leaving an office as I, I normally would have. Um, so it's something that I consciously have to, to do, you know, especially over the past year. So
1: my question stemmed from like, I get tired, right? with work and I, you know, we're here to talk about burnout. And I get to if if I put in however many hours I work in the day, if I want to go and just sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing, that's an option for me. And I still get to the point where I'm burnt out, right? Like the still the stress accumulates and I get to the point where I'm I'm overworked. So I, I was curious as to like, okay, layer on all of these other responsibilities where it's like work doesn't end. You have to go and you have Structure that's still left in your day that you you owe, you know, beyond walking the dog or beyond you know feeding my cats. Um, you've you've got these little lives that depend on you. So, mm-hmm. um, I
2: imagine
1: that burnout probably creeps up a lot faster for parents. Would be my guess.
2: Uh, yeah, I would probably venture to guess <laughs> I'd say yes. that mean, that's Yeah, I mean that right. that is why um bedtime is great. (laughs) That's Usually the time where I can sit down Netflix, maybe have a glass of wine if it's a Friday. (laughs) Also it's, it's been nice as my kids have gotten a little bit older and more independent. They have, you know, the younger they are, obviously the more they need you, um, your attention, but yeah, it, it's kind of a never ending (laughs) obligation. Yeah. That's what we signed up for though, right? <laughs> for sure.
0: So I think that is a good point, Sarah. I think that we can probably see that getting to burnout is prob- is most likely happening with individuals who are like a working parents scenario. But does that mean that burnout looks different to all of us? Or like how would we define burnout? Is it kind of the same for all of us or along the same thread for all of us. But maybe it's just a matter of like getting to there faster
2: um, that we're, ex- we're seeing people go through. It's funny that after you asked me to speak on burnout, I actually saw a post on Instagram, which I thought was just very timely <laughs> because it said that burnout is not just work. I mean, I think that's obviously what people Think first and foremost when they think of burnout, because that's typically where most of burnout stems. But you're right. It's parenting. It's caretaking. Like you said, Jess, if you have, you know, elderly parents that you're looking after, it's your relationship. It's burnout from your phone, which I think we can, we all can identify with. There's, there's just so many things that, that you can get burnt out on. And it's a state of emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion from prolonged or repeated stress which I thought was interesting. So it's it's not just related to, to work or parenting necessarily. And then I thought something that was really interesting was the common signs were exhaustion, which I think is obviously one of the, the telltale signs, but then reduced creativity, which I thought was really interesting because I think we've all been at points in our lives, whether it's in work or other areas of our lives where we just don't have anything left in our brain. We just can't think of anything else to To any good ideas. It feels like (laughs) you can't give
0: yourself anymore. Right. Right.
2: Right. Um, poor performance, cynicism, feeling useless. And I, and I mean, to have it all outlined like that, I think that's something we all identify with at some point in our lives, but just seeing it there in writing was really interesting to me because I was like, yeah, yes, yes. And yes, (laughs) I think that's, You know, to to a certain degree, we're all experiencing burnout. And sometimes it's more extreme than others, but you know, especially over this past year, it's been a a challenging year. I know we keep going back to that, but I think it's just brought a lot of that to the forefront.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I'm now like reflecting back on that last year and being like, shoot, was I just in a constant state of burnout? Like of varying degrees where it was like burnout on The political landscape and like consuming news, burnout Mm. on work, burnout on just like, like you said, technology burnout, just like being constantly connected to your phone or constantly connected um, to some format of technology and social media and things like that. And then there's so much more. I think that's a really good point because when we were originally talking about this idea for a podcast episode, it was very much from the lens of like getting burnt out on what's going on with work. And then personal life, like balancing things between work and personal life, but that like personal life includes so many things that we also were feeling very burnt out from. And the like decrease in creativity that resonates a lot. I think that was kind of something where That as the year turned to 2021, I realized I was like starting to get more excited about doing certain crafts and like creative outlets that I have, but that that wasn't that didn't exist for a while, or even just like having motivation to start working out or like motivation to do things for myself that I knew would be a good thing for me to do, but just like couldn't get myself there. We maybe were collectively in a state of burnout for yeah. a whole year. COVID burnout.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's it, last year was too much for any person to deal with. I think it, it was a lot, but yeah, I, it's funny that you said that Jess, that we did come at this from a professional perspective and it's way bigger than that, which I think is also reflective of <laughs> maybe what we prioritize or, Maybe what we throw burnout onto and then try to fix, and maybe we should look at that from an, a holistic viewpoint. But Kim, you you listing that um, definition of of what burnout is like, I definitely identify with those qualities the the lack of creativity and the lack of the the cynicism. <clears throat> I associate that when when I'm when I'm stressed, when I'm burnt out with with work or whatever I'm dedicating a lot of time to you know if I have a big side project or something not the podcast this is never never that (laughs) um (laughs) this one's always a good one other things uh I uh get into this mindset where it feels like I don't care anymore about what I'm doing and that very much I think is representative in that like cynicism or lack of creativity it's like what I would usually dedicate to this effort I just don't have it in me anymore and feel like I don't care, which is not normal for me. So that's something that I identify when I start to burn out. It's one of those like triggering identifiers where I'm like, "Mm, I'm going to need to do something soon or else I'm going to be an empty shell of a human and have nothing left to give to anything.
2: (laughs) Totally. Your tank is empty. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. That's a huge piece of it though, Sarah, like the identification
0: timeline? Like, how do you identify or how do you start to recognize the maybe warning signs that you're approaching burnout, or maybe you're already burnt out? Like, what is it that we can do for ourselves where we understand, like what we are feeling when we're in a good state, versus what we're feeling like when that cynicism, lack of creativity, that overall, just like inability to motivate yourself to kind of like do anything else. How do we recognize those signs within ourselves to kind of say like, I'm not doing well. This is this is what it feels like when I'm approaching or already burnt out. Like, I think it's maybe just like a personal inventory that you have to take and kind of like being able to name it. So like him, you bringing that definition and listing out those different kind of like elements of burnout, I think is really helpful because we're able to name it, we're able to identify it and associate it with, oh, wow. When I take a moment to look back, I'm like, hey, this is me in burnout mode. What now are the kind of coping skills or mechanisms that I can do to get me um, maybe in just like a better headspace? It's not like a cure or it's not like um, that burnout's just never going to be there, but like, what can I do for myself to, to help ease some of this? Like what's like achievable right now to get me in a better headspace?
1: Yeah, I think that um, uh, other things that I start to identify with when I start to get burnt out, I feel like I'm losing control and I feel like I'm dropping the ball on things, which are not normal states for me. And so it's like those Three things I feel like the cynicism, the dropping things, forgetting things, that kind of that kind of stuff that's not normal, and then like losing control of like my time, my like train of thought, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like those are my three identifiers because they go so opposite to who I am, (laughs) and that's why I am like, oh, I am not myself right now, and it's coming from these these stressors. But how about you guys? Like, how do you feel burnout coming on? What do you? What do you feel
2: like when that happens? For me, I have a hard time, I think, identifying it until I'm in the middle of it, unfortunately, which now talking through this makes me want to be a lot more aware of the signs um, to avoid that. I, I think for me, I tend to notice it more when I have I find myself having a shorter fuse with my kids, <laughs> probably, yeah. or my husband, um, snapping at them a lot quicker than normal. I think that's where I catch myself the most. I'm like, why am I being so, you know, why do I have such a short fuse with them? And, and it's just, it, and it's not necessarily that I'm angry at them. It's just that I, I, like you said, Sarah, you have nothing left to give, or you're you're giving so much to other areas of your life that you, you know, you find yourself getting a little bit uh, anger more easily, I guess yeah. is, is like, is um, irritable one way to put irritable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I'm like, Oh, well, I shouldn't be taking that out on them. It's, you know, nothing that they're doing sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Fair. Um, we're all human. <laughs> exactly. But um, I think that's, yeah. Talking about it, I think is just like the first step in being able to better identify it. Right. Because I think we all kind of sometimes don't realize we're in a state of burnout until we're actually in it or we're like starting to think to ourselves if if we're at work, maybe I should start updating my resume or Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going to casually look at what's out there. You know, like, and that's not a good state to be in. Like, obviously you want to talk to your boss or, you know, or to somebody um, before you get to that state where you're like, I can't do this anymore um, or I don't want to do this anymore. So I think- I think, yeah, identifying it early is probably key. Yeah, I
0: think that the whole like feeling agitated kind of like that or like more irritable is definitely something that I recognize as like one of my indicators of being burnt out. I will just kind of like feel more restless. Like I can't ever like settle or feel like fully comfortable in my skin in that moment. Um, those are kind of just like, and that's also most likely like my anxiety of just like being an anxious person. But, you know, I think those are kind of like indicators for me of of when I'm feeling burnt out. I just, I don't feel great about what I'm doing at work. I don't feel like I'm doing enough at home. I'm just kind of like always feeling that sense of like needing to catch up Mm -hmm. and that I'm like not able to get to that um, mile marker or that like ultimate goal post kind of mentality or like that's the mental image that I have of I'm just like I keep falling short and so um, I think that's one of the things that I recognize as like an indicator of me being in a state of burnout because I agree um, most often I think when we're aware of it it's because we're already feeling burnt out I don't know if there's a great way to like Identifying it ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, I think talking about it is helpful. And you kind of nailed it, Kim. Like, there is an element of just like advocacy that it comes back to. Like, if you're feeling underappreciated at work or that like things aren't going well at work and you've maybe not talked to anyone at work, of like creating more of a balance for yourself, making sure that like people understand when you sign off at five, like it's because you have these other priorities that you're attending to creating boundaries. I feel like we always talk about like one of the old like, resolution pieces we always come to when we are talking on this podcast is like creating boundaries. And maybe we need to like do a deeper dive in that in another episode of like, what does it mean to have boundaries and how do you help yourself create them? But like, there is this piece of making it known for yourself so that you can help identify it and start taking the steps you need, but also making it known for those you're interacting with, kind of like just making it uh, something that you maybe feel a little bit more in control over. And maybe that's what it is, is like you being able to talk about it or you being able to create boundaries for yourself is like steps to you feeling a little bit more in control of probably a time when you don't feel like you have control of anything in that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll say, even though I can identify when I have, burnout is coming on, I don't always do anything to make that not happen. So it's not necessarily like putting the fire out. It's more just like being aware that the room is burning around me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your metaphors. You girls are <laughs> So imagery the uh, there. Yes. <laughs> it's the it's the classic it's fine meme of the yeah, <laughs> dog exactly. in the burning room. Um so I'll yeah it's definitely multi, multi step, right? It's identifying it and then it's okay, what can I do to uh come back from this to reverse um but actually this does bring up a question because i have even noticed in the way we've been speaking about this that um i'm curious how you guys define burnout from like a um a phase or like timing perspective is burnout to you guys like um a long term like can you be in burnout or burned out like for a long period of time or is burnout to you guys like a final straw? Is it like, oh, I snapped and, you know, I have to either go on vacation right now or switch my job or whatever to come back from this like state of burnout. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a great question. That's a really (laughs) good question. Got me thinking.
0: (laughs) My gut is to say it's a phase of like going in and out of burnout, just like any kind of emotion. I feel like in any given day, you're going to go through a range of emotions of like, I woke up feeling really anxious because I had a bad dream. But then as the day went on, I had moments of happiness. I had moments of like reflection. I had moments of um, feeling busy. I had moments of calm. And like, so I think for me, maybe um, depending on the situation that you're in, it can be kind of a constant in the background, but then it phases in and out of like how bad it can get. And then maybe it feels a little bit more controlled and then maybe it peaks again. Um, and for me, I think when I feel that constant state of burnout that I'm sort of like ebbing and flowing within, that's usually an indicator if I'm like feeling more burnt out than less, um, or like that I have things under control a little bit more, that's usually one of my indicators that I'm not in the right position. And so it's like, what steps do I need to take from here to either get myself out of this situation or like what conversations do I need to have at work before I get to that point of like, mm-hmm. I guess I should start updating my resume. I guess I should start, you know, seeing what's out there. I don't know. Maybe we're just like always in a state of burnout when we're working because like, that's just what life is, is like work just maybe is synonymous with burnout. Is that a thing? I don't know. Hear first. I mean,
2: I can, I feel <laughs> like it's kind of both, right. It's yeah. It's interesting as I'm thinking about it because I feel like, well, in terms of my workplace, my work is very cyclical. Um, you know, I get assigned, I'm a project manager for specific events. So, obviously, in the time leading up to those events, and whether it's on site or now virtual, um, those are very high stress times for me. And it's very busy and I'm on, on, on. And it, obviously, I, I feel the burnout typically during those times, but then the event wraps up. And things maybe slow down for a little bit. I get a a few weeks off before we ramp up for the next one. So it's definitely an ebb and flow for me from that perspective. But I think, I don't know. I mean, it could also sort of be a, a constant, right? Because life is just busy. And I think... For me, I don't know, Jess, you can attest. I'm a fairly laid back person. I try not to definitely let things yes. <laughs> get to me too much, which I think is a good and a bad thing. Um, but I think that also can blow up in my face sometimes because I'm I'm not really recognizing that I'm in a state of burnout until it's mm. too late. And I'm, you know, crumbled in the fetal position in my closet, just trying to get 10 minutes to myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Not that that's ever happened before, but, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, one thing my company has done recently in the past year, which I think has been great is they've put together like a, within my department, a red, yellow, green tracker. So every week we're supposed to go in and update our color. And if we're green, that means we have time available to help for those that may be underwater or needing assistance. If we're yellow, that means we're steady. Can't take on anything else. And if we're red, that means, hey, green people, maybe <laughs> reach out and see if there's anything you can do to help. And it's been, I have really appreciated that because I think, especially in this virtual environment that we're in right now, you know, we're not having, you know, the daily talks every day with our coworkers yeah. and kind of getting the pulse on on how everyone's doing. So there are times when, you know, I could go weeks without talking to somebody and it's kind of nice to to have that pulse on how everyone's doing and i work and luckily i work in a very collaborative environment where you know it's very team focused and and so you know folks do reach out if you if you need help and um i think that's helped a lot within the past year
0: i love that i might have to take that to my team <laughs> it's just such an easy way of like not having to go to people and be like, hey, are you good? Like, oh, I noticed that you have a lot of projects. Can I help out? Which is like still a very good trait to have and a practice to have. But like just being able to even self-identify and say like, I'm feeling a little bit underwater. I need some help. And like others indicating that like maybe they have a little bit more bandwidth. It's a really clear, not a whole lot of conversation has to happen in between. You can just kind of reach out and say like, hey, what can I take off your plate? I've got this, you know, availability on Tuesday. Totally. And I can help out with this that I know you need to get done. That's really nice. What a good idea.
1: Yeah, I love that. And then managers can see like, oh, my whole team is red and they've been <laughs> red yes. for four weeks,
2: something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. If that is yes, that yeah. whole spreadsheet, re- or it's a PowerPoint slide, but if that whole slide is red, you know that obviously something needs to shift. Big time. And
0: that's something like you could even do in Slack really easily. Like, You could update your like status and Slack and you could have like a little red, green, yellow dot to even just like communicate or indicate that's cool. Or like daily stands. Like if you have a stand set up or something where you do like a quick 15 minute check in each day, like you could share your color for the day. Huh? there's so many ideas of how you could implement this. I love that. Good call, Kim. (laughs) Um, Well, I didn't come up with it, but I just think it's a very nice tool. (laughs) Yeah, I know it is. I think it definitely is. But Sarah, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, like based on your question of like, is this just a phase type of feeling or is it like a constant state that we're going in and out of? Or do you get to like be done with burnout at any point? Like, (laughs) is that something we can strive for?
1: I will say that as I have grown older, I feel like the stress just continues to pile on and, and burnout becomes a closer and closer, um, reality. And I don't think that that ever goes away. So, um, for any of our young listeners, it only gets better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's all great, but, um, you really have to be cognizant of managing your, your life (laughs) and your stress. But I think it's interesting because in my, When I communicate about burnout um, and when we've been talking about burnout, I do see it as like a a snapping point. Like, oh, I'm approaching burnout, which now that I'm like thinking about it and talking to you two about it, I I almost think that that's like a a mental trap I've set up for myself as if like I can never reach this elusive point of burnout and I'll just continue stressing myself out until I've earned this like, you know, final breaking point, which like who who wants that and what does that even look like? But I think that it probably truly is more of a a state, like a more consistent state. I don't think it's it's all the time, but I, I think it is when you know, I imagine if we're going to keep talking on metaphors, um, I imagine like life <laughs> life is kind of like a. someone told me this a few years ago and I've I've always kind of clung to it. Life is kind of like a bathtub and you have this like you're in the bathtub and you you have this like ideal level of water that you should have in your bathtub to be in like a good, good state. And every little bit of like stress or responsibility you have in your life adds water to your bathtub. And that's not just work. It's everything in your life. And if you have too many stressors, your bathtub is overflowing. And there's no way to to stop that from happening unless you remove stressors from your life. And I think that I picture burnout as that point where it's overflowing. But in the way that I communicate it, and maybe even the way that I consider it for myself, I don't actually know what that overflowing would look like for me. Like, is it, you know, hiding in my closet in the fetal position Kim, like I don't, because that hasn't happened yet. But is it in my future if I don't do, if I don't scoop some water out of my bathtub? (laughs) So yeah, so I'm kind of reconsidering how I how I think about it because I think that, like I said, I, I don't think that definition is quite working for me, and I need to be more aware of how a more constant state of burnout is affecting me, and maybe figuring out a more long term solution instead of. Just the little things that maybe help me relax, but aren't necessarily preventing future states of burnout. And I don't totally know what that looks like. Yeah, instead of like a bandaid approach, but like
0: getting to the root cause of it type of thing.
1: Yeah, because yeah, even the things we talked about in our icebreaker, right? Like those make us feel better. They're moments for ourselves. But are those band aids in the long run? Like, is that is it helping us with like the actual problem? I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but maybe there are other other things that contribute to burnout that we can work on, um, like communicating your workload and your, you know, having that conversation with your team, having these conversations with each other. It's like we need both, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think the little things are important. I think you take them when you can get them, right? The like the band aids mm-hmm. because they do help. Um, but you're right. it is probably a bigger, <laughs> which, if you know the answer, I mean it's like what you move away to a deserted island right. and all
0: your cares are gone. Right? Just but, take <laughs> vacation forever and ever. Um,
2: but yeah, I think I think acknowledging it probably is the first step reorganizing your priorities. Something that's big for me is sometimes you have to stop saying yes and start saying no, which I think is an uncomfortable thing for people, but it's necessary sometimes. I mean, I do have, individuals that I'll reach out and say, Hey, do you have some time to help me with this? And my gut wants to say yes. Cause I want to be, you know, I want to help somebody and I want to cool. be seen as a team player. But if I'm really not thinking my week allows for me to, to have, you know, to help out with that, I sometimes have to say no. And it's, you know, you, you know, you never like to say no, but sometimes you have to. Yeah.
0: I also like that idea of like reorganizing priorities and also putting, getting clear on what your priorities even are to you. I think getting organized in your own right of just like, is this actually a priority or if I just put emphasis on it and really it's not a priority and I either need to like write it down as a thing to do eventually, but like give that space in my head and in my mind to something else because it's maybe something I've made bigger in my head than it actually needs to be. Yeah, getting really clear on what your bandwidth is and like what you're able to take on so that you don't take on everything. Because I agree, I think just a lot of individuals I interact with were kind of all yes people. And it's just like, we'll constantly just say, yes, yes, I'll take that on. I wanna help with that. I'm a problem solver. I want to help with that. But then like creating a little bit more of an understanding of like, should I actually be taking that on? Is that necessary for me to take on? Or do these individuals that are asking for my help, is there somebody else that's maybe a better fit that's going to benefit from having an opportunity to help out with that? And it doesn't always have to be me. I think we've all experienced being managers as well. So there's an element of like really wanting to take on a lot for a direct report, But are you then taking away opportunities for them to learn and delegation is sometimes (laughs) key. And I know
2: it's hard when you're a type a perfectionist personality and you want to do it yourself. So you know how (laughs) it's done, but delegation is sometimes key and necessary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And when you can't delegate, Use the red, yellow, green, method <laughs> because um, that might be a way to ease into it of just being like, oh gosh, asking for help. Holy cow. Yes. Asking for help. That's hard too.
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree. I agree with both of you. I think um, the band-aids as we're calling them, I think those moments help give you enough clarity and autonomy to <laughs> tackle the bigger things. So I, I agree. I think we need those moments of For me it's always alone time i'm like i need to be alone with my thoughts no i'm no one's pulling on me for the time being i need to like purely think or go for a walk or whatever and then i can problem solve so yeah i agree we need both of those things
2: yeah for me i i want to personally be better about unplugging and getting off the grid you know getting off my device being more present I think another thing I'd like to work on is taking more vacations. I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for me with a family to carve out that time. Or even if it means, you know, planning something for just me and the husband to get away. I think I get so wrapped up in my schedule and I don't commit to the time off. And then by the time I'm in it, I don't have any time to take off. Like it's something for me that I have to plan in advance and, You know, make sure that all of my work is covered from that perspective, and it's it can be a lot of planning sometimes. So I just instead of doing it, I just keep working, and then and then that's how you get burnt out, right? It's you really have to like carve out the time, I think, to get away and really get away, like really log off and and have that reset.
0: And sometimes even planning a trip can feel like another stressor, right? (laughs) Right, I know. So that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Taking time off, utilizing your PTO, getting back into that element of just like, you don't have to work five days a week all the time. You can take a day off here and there or Mm -hmm. take a vacation for a longer extended period and that that's important. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think we've brought up a lot of really valid points. I think we've brought up a lot of good maybe tactics or methods of identifying burnout for ourselves and maybe some ways that we can help ourselves cope or move through these feelings. I think one of the big key takeaways that I have is that there's an element of just like information sharing. I think a lot of our conversations that we've ended up having on this podcast have always kind of come back to like a culture of sharing, whether that be information about like how you're feeling, whether that be about, um, you know, being a working parent and sharing about the things that you did to advocate for yourself, like that is incredibly powerful for other individuals. When they're just not quite sure how to approach something or if they even have permission to have a conversation like that. And, you know, I think for you, Kim, being an older sister and being the oldest sister of, you know, us three, you've often had to be that trailblazer or often had to be that person that's had to go through things first. Sarah, you're the oldest sibling as well. Like, I think you probably have had a lot of those situations similarly that have come up where you're the first to explore, you're the first to kind of attempt, and then you're able to sort of distill that knowledge and information for your younger siblings, which as a youngest sibling, I will say we are very grateful to you older siblings for paving the way in more ways than one. But that like, really, it comes down to We need to make sure we're talking about this with each other. We need to make sure that we're recognizing that we're in a shared experience and that everyone in some way, for whatever reasons, is experiencing burnout at work, most likely and in their personal lives and finding ways to show up not only for ourselves, but for each other when we have something in our cup to be able to give to someone else is really important and that comes with this
2: open communication and this open
0: dialogue around it.
2: Yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway is I think now that we've talked about it, I will be a lot more aware of when it's happening and I think for me the biggest thing is going to be knowing when I need to, you know, raise that white flag and surrender and ask for help whether it be at work or with my family or with my spouse even, you know, saying, "Hey, listen, I need a break, or I need this, or I need this sort of help. I think it's, I think that'll be my biggest takeaway. Cause right. There's no cure all <laughs> for burnout, unfortunately, but I think recognizing it and knowing when to ask for help are probably two of the biggest things you can, can do.
0: And not feeling guilty right, for right. asking
2: for help.
1: Yeah. I think my, my takeaways are our recipe card. So like, first of all, identify, like know what your burnout signs are. So figure out what those are. Step two, like, it sounds like we all have these little things that help us relax to give us perspective on our lives. Keep doing those. And then step three, try to figure out everything that you guys just said, the, the things that help in the long term. So I think that the, that's the cure. I think we did it. I think we did it. That's the cure to burn out. <laughs> we put we the fire out. <laughs> I feel great. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. And I think that's one of the things too, Sarah, that you and I constantly are recognizing, like as we work through this outline that we've laid out at the very beginning, but then once we actually start talking about it, we have these like moments of revelation and moments of clarity where we're just like, oh yeah, okay. It's maybe not as big as it feels in the moment. And I think that truly does come from just having your people, having those individuals that you can talk to and having more than one individual that you can talk to. So, you know, if you need someone to talk to, just reach out to us. Lady Date Pod on Instagram. Uh, we're happy to talk to you. But there's just this culture of connection, which is truly like what we come back to every time of like why we even do this podcast. Feeling connected to others, recognizing that like you're not fully in this feeling alone and that you can turn to others to ask for some help in whatever that means. Whether that means, Kim, you taking a vacation and having your family hello, um, (laughs) us step in to help with like giving you and your husband a, a day or night away, like that that's okay. And that, you know, sometimes there's an element on just being okay with like setting out that like, this is what I need. This is not what I need. I can't take that on right now um, that that's really important too.
1: Yeah. And I think I found that we're doing a good job, right? Like in our conversation today, we're doing things to help ourselves and to set boundaries and to communicate. So in establishing these connections and having these conversations, I think we often find out that like, we're doing okay. We're we're, we're doing the right things. We just got to identify it and talk about it. So yeah, I love that. I think that is a big reminder that you actually are doing
2: a lot more for yourself than you maybe think. Well, I think you two ladies are amazing. And thank you so much for having me. This has been so good for my soul. And I just love having these conversations with you two intelligent young ladies. Oh, We're going to
0: start crying. It's been amazing. Thank you. I'm like getting misty over here. <laughs> oh, Well, Kim, thank you for being here. This is such a like special treat for Sarah and I to like not only have a guest, but also to like have just such a raw and open conversation with someone else in our orbit and and like making sure that we are connecting with others and that we are talking about things and bringing in truly experts on things that like we're not experts in we don't balance this work life parent component and that's something that I think is very inspiring and I think is something that we look to as just incredible thing that you are doing and so it may feel you know day to day it may feel <laughs> natural to you but from the outside looking in it is incredible and all of you working parents and working caregivers are incredible humans you're doing the most. (laughs) And hopefully you walk away from this, recognizing that it's okay for you to take a break and that reaching out to ask for some help and getting to that point is you have all of the permission to do so.
1: Yeah. And we see you doing a really good job. So (laughs) we recognize you. Thank (laughs) you.
0: You're seen. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been such a treat. Thank you, Kim, again, for being here. This is so awesome to share in this experience with you. Do you have any final words? Want to make sure you <laughs> anything else you wanted to share?
2: Oh, gosh. Go buy a facial steamer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. If we can get ad support from uh, whatever brand, we'll find out. We'll reach out to them. I'll do some um, petitioning to get some ad placement from them. Just kidding. I don't know if we'll ever have ads on this podcast. We're an ad-free podcast. We are on... Instagram at Lady Date Pod. Find us there. You'll find out about any and all upcoming episodes that we have. We do have a website, ladydatepod.com. You can check us out there. We're trying to get a newsletter started, but now after like going through this, Sarah, I'm just wondering like, are we going to burn ourselves out? On this? <laughs> are we taking on too much? No, just kidding. But we're always looking for more ways to connect with you. So we are incredibly grateful for those of you that reach out that let us know that you've listened that let us know that there's something that's resonated with you Um, we're always looking for more people to talk to and to bring into um, our episodes so thank you it means a lot
1: yeah thanks everyone for your support and for listening all right you're all doing great Bye. (laughs) bye bye bye